you do know that this is going to elevate your status. Um, I mean, remarkably with our millions of listeners. Uh, I mean, it's going to take you right uh, <laughs> to elitist, honestly. Hey, well, then, I don't know if I should be on the show then. <gasps> oh, Michael. <laughs> he, come on. You are worthy of being here. We kicked Oprah off to have you here today. Oh, okay. That, that makes me feel better then. The Hollow Buddy. Greetings and salutations and welcome to the Hollow Bunny Leadership Podcast. I'm Kristen Zeman and I am here with my gorgeous and extremely intelligent co-host Sylvia Moyer. We are both former police chiefs, but the Hollow Bunny Podcast is not just for cops. This podcast is for anyone who has an interest in talking about life and leadership and everything in between, and particularly the lessons that we have learned about both. Sylvia, who is filling our bunny today? Kristen Zeman, we kicked Oprah to the curb because we have a special guest today. I'm going to tell you about this guy. His name is Michael Pooley. He serves as the chief of police in Apache Junction, Arizona. He joined that team in January of 2022. He was selected from a whole pool of candidates uh, to join the team, and he came directly from the Tempe Police Department. That's where... Michael Pooley and I got to know each other, and I saw this guy as an amazing, talented, heart-centered leader with compassion that is off the charts. And he is strategic, he is tactical, he's operational, he's administrative, he has amazing skills. But what got him to Tempe was he grew up some in, on the reservation, in the Navajo Reservation in Arizona. He grew up, he had quite a quite an upbringing with a brother and a sister uh, that also joined policing, by the way, and his parents. He went to uh, Arizona State University. He got a earned, I shouldn't say got, he earned a bachelor of science degree from ASU. He earned a master's from NAU. He's a graduate of the Northwestern University School of Police Command and Senior Management at, at the Senior Management Institute for Policing. He's got a lot of stuff. It's so much I can barely even say it, right? Michael Pooley is this unique mix of tactical, compassionate human being who has high values. He's high in cred. He speaks English. He speaks Spanish. He's a guy that others want to follow, Kristen Zeman. And I got to watch his amazing ascent in Tempe that got him to the place where he was right and ready to serve in Apache Junction. And I'm going to tell you a little fact that we're going to explore. He recently climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. So ladies and gentlemen, don't even hold your applause wherever you're listening. Bring it on. Michael Pooley. Welcome. Well, thank you. Thank yes. you. I'm, I'm glad you did that introduction and not me. Not sure if I did. Wow, that was so amazing. I should, you should have a walk-up song, Michael Pooley. You're that oh good. Oh my gosh. Uh, wow. What would it be, that walk-up song? That would be amazing. I'm not really sure, but it'd be something with a lot of bass, for sure. Mm, so Mike, right. Mike Pooley, you know what a hollow bunny is. I think you may have witnessed one or two in your day. Uh, we are really, we want to explore how you've dedicated your life to police service, some of the lessons you've learned and, 
and really kind of let's start actually before that. Let's start with, so you're known as a really high value leader. Where'd your values come from? Talk us, talk to us about that. Um, well, first, thanks for letting me be here. And I appreciate all the kind words. I really do. Uh, it means a lot. Humbling, I guess. Um, <clears throat> you know, I would say uh, for me, everything I've learned, uh, oh, the majority of what really has guided me through life is my, my mom and dad. Yeah. You know, growing up on the reservation, we lived in a little trailer. We were, you know, there was eight of us in this trailer and we had sheep and we herded sheep. And it was, uh, it was a, um, we didn't have a lot, but I never knew that growing up. I knew I had my mom and I had my dad. I knew that they uh, were there for anything I needed and they valued education. They always pushed education on us. They wanted us to have as best of a life as we possibly could, no matter what. And uh, I think that's really where it started. I uh, love my parents dearly. I never wanted to do something that would embarrass them or the to um, I always wanted to make them proud, I guess. And and uh, those values have carried on with me throughout my entire adult life and most of my childhood, but my entire adult life for sure. That's really cool. And and so help folks understand about the reservation. Help folks understand kind of that and then how that informs how not only you have shown up as a dad with your four amazing kids. I'm telling you, Kristen, his kids are not only smart, they're athletic, they're really kind people, and they're really easy on the eyes. They're all beautiful little humans. <laughs> so how did that inform really how you show up, not only as a dad, but in this leadership journey that you've pursued? You know, I guess uh, what it was is even though we didn't have a lot, my parents always really tried to uh, include us on just what was on the outside world. You know, I remember my dad would bring home strangers for dinner all the time. Um, families just would show up at our doorstep and we didn't have a lot, but we would make room for them at the table. We would hear their stories. We would, you know, eat mutton or sheep with them. We would... Uh, you know, hear what they're saying. And then my dad would give them whatever little money he had at the end of the night and uh, send them on their way. And this was a continual thing, whether it was Thanksgiving, Christmas, you name it. Um, I remember one time my dad, we went to a, uh, we went to a, so the reservation where I'm from is in the middle of nowhere. It looks exactly the same way it did when my dad was born and raised on the reservation. Uh, dirt roads, uh, no infrastructure, completely isolated and desolated area. Um, most people may not think it's beautiful, but when I look at it, I think it's home and I think it's an amazing, beautiful place. Um, what happened is uh, when we would go into town, I remember one particular time uh, there was a, a homeless guy intoxicated and we went to Taco Bell and my dad invited this guy to come eat with us. And so we went in there, we sat, we ate lunch or whatever it was. And of course, as a young kid, I just had nothing to say. And I was just sitting there watching and watched my dad interact and come to find out it was one of his uncles and which is a relative of mine. And he says, you know, son, you never know who you're talking to and you never know who they were in their story. And 
treat everybody with respect. And I've always remembered that. I've really tried to carry that with me that, you know, a lot of times we end up really down on our luck or our lives turn upside down. And especially as police officers, those are the times that we get involved and we don't know their story. We don't know their history. We don't know much about them except for the moment in time, the point in time. And that's where, you know, for me, I try to remember those lessons learned. Chief, you, man, there's so much to unpack in all of that, especially as it paints the picture of foundationally of where you've come from. So what I hear in there are acts of service that you got from your parents that that was instilled in you and that that notion of human dignity and respect. So help me understand how you went, you know, from the reservation, you know, and and decided to go into law enforcement? Was it something that your parents supported? Obviously, it seems like those values are, you know, ingrained in you, but was, were they supportive of that or did it come out of nowhere? Talk to me about that. Yeah. So I didn't have anyone in my family in law enforcement, nobody. And, and you know, the tribe, when you live on the reservation, there is a lot of, um, I guess, some animosity towards the government, whether it's federal, local, whatever it is. Um, substance abuse is high. You know, my parents, we were surrounded by it, but they always said, don't drink. It's it's destroying our people as a culture. You know, it's a cultural, it's a, the culture is so rich on the reservation, but it's being destroyed by substance abuse, whether alcohol or drugs or, or whatever it may be. And that was one of the reasons we moved off the reservation is because it, it is hard. I was going to boarding school up there with my brother and sisters. And um, when I came to the city, I just fell in love with what a police officer, what I, in my opinion, was. I remember seeing them and they were mysterious creatures that looked sharp. They seemed um, like somebody that I wanted to be like. And um, when I made the decision to, so before I was a police officer, I was a teacher for two years. And I taught junior high math on the reservation, uh, the local reservation here in the Valley at Phoenix area on the Salt River Reservation. and. Um, Again, it was a, it doesn't matter which reservation you I was you went on. There's a lot of the similar problems, similar feelings towards government, and um, so when I finally got to the point, I said, you know, I want to do this. Um, I did. I talked to my dad, and um, he was very against the idea. He so much, in fact, he was kind of upset that I decided I wanted to do this, and he told me a story he had never relayed to me in the past and and his uh animosity came from a time that he remembered when he was 16 years old he left the reservation to go pick his grandma up from the hospital and when he left he got pulled over by a police officer and the officer pulled him out and took him to behind the car and beat him up and told him don't ever leave the reservation again that's where you just, that's where you guys belong and that was my dad's impression of being a police officer and he told me he says you know son if that's really what you want to do, don't become like them, quote unquote them. And um, just remember who you are, where you came from, where your family's from, and don't ever forget the history. And so I did. I, I joined, um, even though my dad was very against it. And soon after, my brother joined. He became a police officer, and my little sister became a police officer. And several cousins and have all begotten in law enforcement and... Um, it started a law enforcement family. And so now my dad, he always carries a picture around of, of uh, my brother, sister, and I. 
and tells everybody how much he loves police and how they're such the greatest people in the world. And so, you know, I always use that to say, you know what, there are, there are a lot of cultures, people that don't trust the police or they don't, um, they don't have any connection or they don't believe them. They fear them, whatever it is. But I also know that, that a bridge really can be built. And I've seen it in my own family where now the entire Pooley family loves law enforcement and it's changed an entire generation and future generations of feelings towards law enforcement. I love that so much. And we talk so much about leadership on this podcast. And it reminds me of you know, part of the reason I wanted to try and promote because uh, I had such bad leaders that I thought, my gosh, I, I mean, I'm going to try and do better and try to be the leader I wish I had. And it's the same with what your dad said to you is here was the negativity and the interactions that we've had with law enforcement. And if you're going to do this, you know, change it from the inside out. That is so powerful to me. That's an incredible story. Right. Yeah. And, and so it really resonates. Michael, you, you were in Tempe and I think we've talked about the hollow bunny, right? We get hollow bunnies. So can you speak to kind of how that resonates with you and then your commitment to really filling your bunny and kind of how you consistently fill your soul and fill your bunny so that you can serve people? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I never, and, and I think a lot of the good police leaders really never in the beginning saw themselves as the change agent or the, the, the one wanting to promote. And I was the same way for the first uh, 12 years of my career. I never had any intention to promote. It was always just, um, I wanted, I loved operations. I loved chasing the bad guys. I, I just was loved it. I was good at it. Um, and it finally came to that point, kind of like uh, you, Kristen, where I said, you know what, I, I want to be a part of this leadership group. I saw people promoting that were, hollow, which lack of experience, lack of compassion, lack of competency, and just that they may have one thing, whether whatever that may be, and they rely on that one thing, where for me, I wanted to have not only the experience and the credibility, but I also wanted to bring the compassion and the, the passion of the job and profession with me at every level and every rank I was at, all the way up to chief now. You've seen people demonstrate where they are kind of void of the things that you talked about. You um, also, I, I remember a, a conversation where I think a lot of people saw in you where you are now. So I'm hearing you didn't see yourself serving as a chief. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I always thought the chief was a, a position that just was unattainable for a guy like me. And I didn't understand the real concept of what it was to be the chief. It took other good police chiefs, one like you, that helped me to see what impact a, a chief can have on an organization, whether great and even vice versa, completely horrible to destroy an organization. And that's where I've really really have focused on is trying to be the good, the great. Mm -hmm. Two things that you said there that I, I just have to pull that thread. Uh, one was, you know, I never thought 
or saw myself doing that. And there are so many people in, not just in our profession, but those who, who have that self-talk inside their own heads that say, no, why me? I have to check all these boxes or, you know, I don't have what it takes. And it's that little voice inside your head that stifles movement, you know, and it's, it, and it truly, that little voice is so powerful because it knows your strengths, it knows your weaknesses and, you know, and it knows all of your vulnerabilities. And that voice can sometimes overpower us to, you know, make us frozen, uh, you know, in, instead of moving forward. And so that voice has to be overcome with, wait a minute, why not me? And it sounds like that's what happened to you. And the second thing in there is sometimes when we can't overcome that voice ourselves, there is someone that taps us on the shoulder and says, hey, come with me. You would be remarkable for this position. And that I think is, is the most tremendous gift you can give another person. And it's also up to each of us as individuals to heed that advice from people who see that, you know, in, in, in when we don't see it in ourselves. I completely agree because I never saw it in myself until it was pointed out by leaders that I respected. And it was leaders that I've had and, and people that I would consider mentors that I looked up to. And they, you know, they may not have known I was always watching them. I was watching when they were alone or when they were with a group of people. I, I tried to, the, the, the good ones, the great ones are the ones that I tried to emulate in my own way, in my own fashion. And when those leaders or those, uh, for me, the people I admire, they talk to me and take the time and point out the strengths I have. Yeah, I'll tell you, that is one of the biggest uh, pushes and drives for me to want to do it. You know, what do you think about this? Uh, I just heard something. I tout, um, you know, authenticity, be yourself. And someone challenged me the other day and said, you know, what's so difficult about that is it's beautiful. It's trite though, but, but it might be difficult when you don't even know who you are. How do you know how to be yourself when you haven't figured out who you are yet? And I love what you just said. And it just connected those dots for me because so many times we tell people just be yourselves, be authentic, but we don't know who we really are. We have to develop that. And we develop that by watching others. We watch great leaders and we emulate those traits of integrity, of compassion, all the things that you mentioned. And we become, you know, in, we turn into something, we evolve. And so I love what you just said in emulating others. And it really, it struck a chord with me because we tell people just be yourself, but sometimes people really don't know who they are yet. So it's great to watch and learn from others. No, yeah, and I agree with you on that. It's uh, I always try to tell my my staff now that just from my experience, whether it's my dad, I try to emulate who he is and how he is with, uh, you know, for me, one of the, the number one thing I knew from um, being little and having a dad that I just loved, I knew I wanted to be a dad. I knew I wanted to be a good dad because it looked like it was fun. It looked exciting. It looked like a lot of different things. So it's when I have a good, whether it's a good sergeant, a good lieutenant, a good, um, a leader, a good chief or anything, it's, it, you take those qualities. And I, I agree. Sometimes you, you don't know that that really is who you are until it's pointed out. Yeah. You know, Michael, it's interesting because we've often talked about how do you examine and evaluate the competencies of people? And I remember, uh, saying in your amazing rise in an organization we can teach 
somebody the budget. We can teach them how to run a project or write a contract. You can never teach someone to love his people, love people, love his people, love the act of leading people. You can't teach that, but you can teach some of the other stuff. Does that resonate with you? It's, yes, it sure does. You know, um, and I think that's a barrier that sometimes we think that you do lack those qualities. I had no idea how to budget. I didn't know what a CIP was or a capital improvement project was, right? I didn't know how to get grants and how to write them. But you're right. It's uh, that's that's easy to learn. It's uh, the hard part is just really showing up every day and caring about people. And that right there, I think, is what carries and changes and transforms an organization. Yeah, without a doubt, because it permeates the culture, the climate. It permeates how people interact with each other and with themselves, for sure. Uh, what do you say about this assertion that one of the traits that is most essential about a police chief today, about a leader today, is endurance? And endurance in intellectually, physically, emotionally. We don't talk about it enough, but that is the trait that is absolutely essential. What do you say to that? I would say it's spot on. And until you've experienced it, it's hard to, to really understand and, and describe. Um, everyone expects you to be on your A game at all times. They don't care about what's going on in your personal life. If your kid got in trouble or you got something with, as the chief, none of that matters. What matters is that you're here, you have the answers and you're gonna do it the right way, whatever the right right way is by somebody that's what they expect. And um, it's tiring, it's exhausting, but it's also exhilarating and an incredible experience. Right. And so speaking to that, we kind of, uh, we kind of mentioned earlier that you and a buddy went and you went to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro and you shared with me that you were told that the mountain will speak to you. It will teach you if you listen. Talk to us about your planning and then rolling that out and then being on that mountain, being among the people, being with, well, in that space, ascending, descending. Talk to us about that. Help us understand why was that so important to you and what'd you bring back, Michael Pooley? Well, it, I just got back last week on Wednesday and I still got a little cough that I got from there. And I, um, it's always been on my bucket list to do. And when the opportunity came, I jumped at it. And uh, myself and another uh, colleague from Tempe Police Department went with me and a couple other people I know. And it was, it was one of those uh, experiences of a lifetime that I'll never forget. But I did tell you that I was told that the mountain teaches you that that mountain, it's something special about it. And if you just listen, you'll, you'll learn and you'll hear what, what you need to hear. I'm a big nature guy too, right? I love hiking. I love nature. I just am impressed whether it's a desert or rainforest or whatever it is. I just, it speaks to me. And, um, you know, I, uh, I had a lot of things, whether it was professional, personal, um, goals I want to do, other things that I really been thinking of over the past, you know, several years. And um, 
you have a lot of time to think when you're walking for seven days. And a lot of times it's quiet. And a lot of times you just are lost in your thoughts. And you look out at the beautiful area of Africa we were in, look at the people that are from there, and everything was teaching me lessons. And, and bottom line, it came down to be a good person, no matter whether it's in the dark or in the light, be the same person. This is so interesting, and here's why. Sylvia and I talk all the time about stillness and silence and about how answers come to us uh, when we just take that moment to listen you know, to, to, to our internal voice. And it sounds to me as though the mountain speaks but honestly, it's actually you who is speaking, uh, you know, and the mountain just gives you that environment, that atmosphere, so you can listen to your own inner voice. That's precisely what it sounds like. Yeah, that is what exactly what it is, you know, and it, and it just provides you, and up there, you're completely cut off from the world, right? There's no cell phones, there's no internet, no computers, there's nothing there. We, we were cut off. And it was just me and other people that were, whether huffing and puffing or hungry, cold, um, you name it. And you feel all these things and you bond with other people that are complete strangers with you. And uh, it is your thoughts and everything good and bad. You know, Chief, I heard that Mike, Mike, Mark Twain was known to have said that international travel is the enemy of bigotry. It sounds like you went to this continent, you listened, you were with nature, you were with yourself, you were still, you were active, uh, interacting with local folks, interacting with a whole bunch of people. You've had a lot of international travel in your life. You are a fluent Spanish speaker. Uh, you have served in places that are incredible. How has international travel really uh, widened your perspective, inserted humanity, uh, given you some, you know, some groundedness. You know, I think the big, uh, there's a couple things I guess I'll speak on, but one of them is you don't realize how big the world is until you get out of your comfort zone. And uh, you see that you're really a minuscule piece in the, in the world. And, but I've also seen that with that, there are people throughout the entire world that I have met that have made significant impacts in the location they're at. And it all boils down to me that it's a lot of them just care about their communities and they care about what they're doing. They're honest, their integrity is high. And I've seen that whether you have a lot of money and you're a millionaire, billionaire, or if you're living in a tin shack with a tin roof with dirt floors that is making a significant impact on hundreds of people around you. Wow. So how about how about a couple quick hit answers? Uh, we'll we'll ask you a couple things, uh, and just whatever comes up for you for our listeners, and really thinking about what fills your bunny. So uh, the greatest challenge as a leader. I would say. Uh, keeping up with everybody and, and always having that smile on your face. Yeah. You have 125 folks. That's hard to do, right? Kristen, you jump in at any point. If you, if you have one, what really excites you about coming to work every day? 
I love the energy that I'm able to bring into the building and make that felt that everyone matters, whether you're the janitor or you're the lead detective on a major homicide. So you mentioned climbing the mountain is something that you did. And I know that centered you and made you, makes you a better leader. What other other things that you do that maybe aren't as physical uh, that, uh, that, that make you better at what you do? Reading. I had a phenomenal chief that taught me the importance of reading. And she was incredible. (laughs) Readers are leaders. Perfect. (laughs) You know, I also have to say here, I looked up uh, Mount Kilimanjaro um, and that's 19,000 feet and you climbed that. Can I just tell you that um, for my 50th birthday, which is this month, I'm climbing mountains in in Colorado. I'm going to the Willow Lakes and Herman Gulch. And I just looked up the elevation and I'm so embarrassed to tell you <laughs> what the elevation of the oh, mountains I'm climbing. Tell all of us. <laughs> they're they're 2,700 <sighs> and, and the other one is 1,700 and you just climbed 19,000. And so now, you know what, I'm going to take my little hiking books and uh, hiking boots and I'm just going to, I'm just going to go sit in the corner. So as you were. Uh, Michael, I, you know, we, per- Kristen Zeman, you're getting out there for your 50th. Most people <laughs> on their 50th would get a mani petty, but you're going out to bond with nature. You be proud sister. I am. I've been, I've been training with my rucksack for those 2000 feet that I'm going to climb. That's crazy. Don't forget to hydrate. So, so Michael, there's a lot that goes into preparation. You talked about reading. And so some people tend to read the same stuff. Talk to us about like, what's expansive that you read? Do you go out and look at, look for things that might be outside of the norm of, of what others would kind of suggest? And, and then also talk to us about the other kinds of prep. What do folks that are listening to this need to know about how to prepare, how to enhance their readiness intellectually, emotionally, uh, spiritually, physically, all that stuff, all the lees. Come on, bring us something for our listeners. <laughs> well, I like to read um, a lot of history. Yeah. For me, it's fascinating. Um, I, I like to bring little lessons that were learned from it. And also just current uh, leadership books. The um, I also, for me, to for my own space, I guess, I really just... I like to be alone sometimes, you know, I just like to go, I go on hikes by myself or trail runs and I just sit there and I, uh, watch the sunrise or the sunset and I, um, just get lost in my thoughts. That's awesome. I, I showed Kristen Zeman my special meditation spot in Arizona and in Sedona overlooking the Oak Creek and just being in space with that, with nature and stillness. We've talked about it several times. I think we're getting a kind of a clue that part of your journey is being still and being comfortable in your own space. I had a, I had a chief recently who left the business of being a chief after just 10 months. And this chief said, it was far more difficult than I ever expected. And it was so lonely. Don't you think, Michael, and in what way might you think 
achieve that getting to know yourself and being okay in solitude actually helps you prepare for the loneliness of being the top person? It, I would say it prepares you significantly because there are times where, yeah, you have to close the door and it's you making a decision on someone's career or someone's uh, um, position or a budget. I mean, there's a lot of things you're getting pulled in a lot of different directions and you don't have a lot of people to lean on and you have to be comfortable with that. And you really have to embrace your decision and know your weaknesses and know your strengths. And I think that's what helps me when I'm by myself. I, I don't mind being alone anymore. You know, I'm, I'm fine with it. I, I can do it, but it's, it is, it's this feeling you just have to get comfortable with. Isn't that the truth? I, I told you, and I've told uh, Kristen Zeman over here, how affirming it was for my life to actually, I traveled a little bit in Vietnam and Japan by myself and I was solo and it was a life affirming. And I found quite paradoxically, I was more independent yet closer to my people, right? Closer to my, my folks, my, those people that I love and that I'm connected with. So how can one be more independent, have strong agency and be closer to people? It seems paradoxical, but I found it to be true. Does that resonate with you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it is. It's one of those things you get those moments where you're alone and, and you get um, so excited to, to share a special thought or a special uh, sight. And the first person you want to share with is the ones that are closest to you. And they're the ones that, that you think of, I think, the most. Yeah, I, I, I think the lesson here also is know thyself. Uh, I mean, when you when you learn, you know, yourself, then you can be better for all of those around you. It's self-care. And that sounds exactly like exactly what you're doing. You are filling my bunny today. Big time, Chief. Big time. For sure. Well, thanks. For sure. I have, I have two more questions for you. So so one is, uh, what do you really want people to know? Our millions of listeners, millions and millions of listeners, Chief Pooley, what do you want them to know? I would say, you know, our, our world is uh, full of chaos, a lot of turmoil, whatever. Don't worry about that stuff. Worry about what you can control and the impact you can make on your little world. And I'll tell you, I think that's what's going to change our our climate, our country, whatever it may be. Thanks for that. And then the final thing is if there's one thing that just nags at you, like a, like a pebble in your shoe, being a hiker, you know, it feels oh, yeah. enormous, right? And they're typically, you take off your shoe and you look, you say, this little thing, are you kidding me right now? But it's like a pebble in your shoe. Is there something that's like a pebble in your shoe? Yeah, I would say, uh, my pebble in my shoe, I got a few of them actually, but one of them that I think of is uh, I got to let the past go and I can't change the past, whether it was in my profession or personal life, and I have to uh, learn from it and not wait, let it weigh me down. Wow. Kristen, any concluding remarks before 
we just mouth agape in awe of you as a human being, Michael Pooley, this this textured, experienced man who is really leading people in an extraordinary way. Anything from you, Kristen Zeman? Yeah. So, you know, let's just pull out some of the things, as we know, the metaphor here is that, you know, we don't want to be hollow bunnies. And so when we can fill uh, substance, you know, by learning from one another, but what I have taken away from you today, Chief, is number one, the foundation of service. Um, and the idea of human dignity and respect and how your family uh, has taught you that and it has made you into the leader uh, that you are today and loving your people more than you love your position. That's a big one to fill our bunnies. Yeah, that's a big one. And, you know, and finally just taking those moments to, you know, make yourself better and to, you know, be quiet for a little while and even being sitting in that discomfort and that the answers come to you. So that is what filled my bunny today. And I just want to thank you so much, Chief, for joining us on the Hollow Bunny podcast. Thank you. It was an absolute pleasure. Uh, Thank you, Chief Michael Pooley of Apache Junction, Arizona. It has been a delight that I'm sure our listeners are going to replay over and over. You're an extraordinary man, and the gift of your time has been remarkable for us. Thank you. Thank you as well. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We love all of our bunnies. This podcast is produced by Ted Madden, and the song you are about to hear is written and performed exclusively for our podcast by my handsome and talented son, Jake Zeman. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, like, review, and tell everyone you know about it. If you don't, just move along. There is nothing more to see here. And bunnies, keep filling yourselves with substance, and please keep adding substance substance to others. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. When you look inside, what do you find? Are you content to fall behind? When you lose your way and you've lost your why? Have courage and get ready to find the hollow buddy. the hollow buddy and we all feel hollow sometimes but the monsters are only in your mind it's a tough pill to swallow but if you're brave and kind you'll be
some